0: Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine Leperriere, president of Leader in Motion. On this show, we're gonna gossip about the best boss you ever had. We're gonna hear stories about things that they did that helped you feel valued, helped you feel engaged and really inspired you. We wanna hear about the bosses that changed the way you look at everything. If you wanna hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip. Welcome to the Best Boss Ever podcast. I'm your host, Christine LaPerrière. On today's show, I am bringing in a panel of fantastic female leaders. And it began with a conversation I had with Cindy. You're going to meet her soon. And she was sharing with me a little bit of her experience with her Best Boss Ever. But then it started to become clear that she knew lots of other leaders in her organization that had also had some Best Boss Ever experiences. So we decided today to do something a little different, and we're actually going to bring in a panel of great leaders to share their stories. So Cindy, thank you so much. I'll I'll ask you just to introduce yourself and the panel that we're going to talk to today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. I'm going to first introduce myself. So I'm Cindy Diogo. I'm the head of talent acquisition here for Wrangle. When we first had a conversation, I thought it would be a brilliant opportunity for me to bring in some of the most uh, wonderful women that I work with currently. They're exceptional. They're leaders in their craft as well. And I'll make an introduction. So I'll start with Dawn Jardin. She is our Director of Agile Quality here at Rango. I've worked with her in the past as well. I know her working style. Uh, and then we have Cher Timmons. I report into Cher. She is our Chief of Staff and SVP of Operations. She's been here for about four, almost five years, I believe. Also really well-connected and just an exceptional leader. And then last, I have Catherine Marchand. She is our Director of People and Culture. And she's also been here for about four to five years at Rangel and and, uh, manages and and oversees our people and culture and all of our people initiatives as well.
0: Amazing. And I love that we have so many people leaders, right? So this topic is obviously near and dear to all of our hearts. (laughs) Absolutely. So Cindy, can I pick on you first, just before I bring everybody else in? When I brought up the topic of who's the best boss you've worked for, and why, I know you had some thoughts, so I'd love to hear them.
1: yeah, this is a really interesting topic. Uh, we've been recently thinking a lot about talent acquisition, and I know that in the community, especially, this is a hot topic and attraction uh, and one of the things that we've been talking about is psychological safety and the ability for leaders and and people managers to really create that atmosphere and so when you and I were first having our initial conversation, I actually thought of one particular manager or leader that I had early on, and she really embodied this for me. Moving into technology, being a little bit younger in my career, she really stood out as a really influential leader because she created the atmosphere for me to be authentic and to be myself which is something that really resonated with me. And so I know that we have a lot of those stories, but it really came down to having that and creating that environment where you feel safe and you feel like you can be yourself. And in those situations, and when a leader does that for you, it really uh, enables you to flourish and, and develop your career.
0: How does a leader create psychological safety or how did you see this leader do that?
1: It really came down to her being quite authentic and who she was as well. What I really loved about this particular leader is she was just who she was. She's wonderful. She was just actually a little bit rough around the edges as well, which I really loved about this particular leader because it just made me feel as though it could be myself. I had worked previously in a lot of really large corporations who you did have to put on a little bit of a a mask. For me, it was pretending I was a bit more polished than I actually am, especially <laughs> moving into very large corporations. You do have to put on that professional persona. Uh, and she allowed me the space to just really come in and be myself. And I think being her authentic self and, and acknowledging that she necessarily wasn't you know, 100% polished herself created that space that I felt really comfortable to be myself as well. What I really liked about her too is that she was just, I know everyone's talking about this, but uh, she really embodied radical candor. Really exceptional at just being blunt with me about the things yep. that my blind spots in a way that was really polite, but very direct. So I think early on in your career, while you're navigating, especially as a woman in the technology world and and working in tech, having that ability to have somebody be really direct and forward with you and and help you to be like, here's what it is. Here's what you need to change and shape, I think is something that you really need when you're starting off your career as well.
0: Amazing. Okay. So Cher, I'm going to pick on you second. Tell me about your best boss.
2: Yeah, I found that really to be hard The best boss ever, but there's pieces of bosses I've taken. The best type of boss I've had were those people who had the leadership style of transformational. So they brought you along. You're in it together. You're more of a partnership than a boss direct report. That makes sense. They give you all the context. They give you the space to do it in a way that's creative and innovative. It fosters loyalty and, and you understand how you support the organizational goals, right? You could just do this. And especially for my career, I come from an admin background, we're not often given those opportunities to be creative or innovative. So my best boss, I would say if I had to pick one, is the one that has given me the most opportunity in the space to be creative. And I'll give you one story about that is in COVID times when we were given a department And I've never done it before. I've never run HR in any sort of sense and given the opportunity to do it my way because I understood the values of the organization and the trust that that boss gave me. And that I have grown more in these past two, almost three years than I have my entire career. And it's because I was brought along.
0: Amazing. And give me some detail of that. Just walk me through like, what does a day in the life look like when you're, you know, kind of under that type of influence?
2: Right. I I think it's a, this is a buzzword, but I am, I'm going to actually say it. It's the green field. It's waking up and coming to this desk, which is a couple steps away from my my bedroom because we're working remotely and being creative, being able to do things that actually have value that impact employees in a positive way. It's not doing something. So old mental models, old models of how you run HR it's let's do, let's care about people Let's believe in our values. Let's action those values and do something for our employees that they'll love, that positively impact not only their day-to-day, but their lives. And that's what that feels like. It's growth, and sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it takes all that relationship capital and moves things forward to influence people. But at the end of the day, I think when I, when I close down my computer at night, I think, wow, I, I, we've done something, even if it's just for one person. But we've done something great, and I, and I think that's what gets me really excited. And that goes back to that more growth in the last two plus years than than ever.
0: Amazing! That is so cool, Catherine. I'd love to hear from you. What's your experience of a best boss?
3: Hello, I also reported to Share, and I can say that Share definitely walks the talk. All of the things that she said there, she also does for us. And I so appreciate that. Thank you. But I think like you share, I've also had, I can't really pick one boss. You know, it's different qualities from different either bosses or other leaders that I've worked with or alongside. One thing that really, I think, makes a huge, huge impression on me anyway, is a leader who meets you where you are. Not everybody can do this, listening and receiving the information that you're sharing from a place of empathy where you're at whether that's where you're at in your role in your expertise and your growth in that role or where your role sits in the organization and the level of influence that you may or may not have whether or not you're able to unblock yourself yeah that sometimes can seem sort of unimportant or you know a, le- a leader sits up here and you can't see me but I'm raising my my arm up here mm-hmm you may be down there. And so your reality is so different and challenges that you have as an employee can just kind of look not as important to other folks who look at very different things from a different altitude. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, really being able to kind of help you navigate these things, but also be with you at the same level in these conversations is not a dynamic that every leader is able to kind of get to. So I really, really appreciate that. There's so Mm -hmm. many other things that, that we could talk about. I also come from a bit of a generalist background with, you know, a long time that I spent doing admin work, coordination leading to project management, so on and so forth. But when you're in these types of roles, sometimes you can feel like you're not really getting to any kind of place of expertise,
0: Mm-hmm. Right? You feel
3: like you're kind of maybe spinning in a thousand different directions. Yes, you're kind of covering a lot of ground laterally, but you're not really digging deep into a vertical that will kind of allow you to take that expertise to your next gig. And I find a really good boss can help you kind of identify what these strengths are and really clarify for you and help you discover these strengths that you may may not even know that you already have. That's something that I, I try to do very much in my practice. And that's helped me a lot, especially earlier
0: in my career, I think. Amazing. And then Dawn, let's hear your perspective on this one.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm similar to what Sherrod said and Catherine and Cindy. You know, I've worked with several people that have left a lasting impression on me. and it, So it's difficult to single out just one. But I can think of two women in my mm-hmm. career that early on, kind of push me into a position of leadership. I didn't feel like I was ready, but they believed in me. So I think the trust and the belief in my ability, and they had confidence that I had, what it took to get the job done. So that was super important to me. And, and they were really open in listening to my ideas. But at the same time, they had the courage to tell me when I wasn't being realistic. I was part of projects that were large, big clients, and they had expectations to deliver. It put some fear in me because I was like, oh, how am I going to do this? But they really believed in me and, and helped me along when I had questions. And I always felt like I could go to them to ask them those questions that I didn't feel like I had to know it all. And, and I think that's super important. And that as a leader myself, those are those things that I find are really helpful for my team as well. Just, you know, I don't know it all, but I'll help you through it.
0: So it's like they pushed you out there and let you take that big leap. But then they were like, I've got your back, right? You know, I'm going to work with you. I'm not leaving you out there to, to hang yourself. We're going to make sure that you're successful too. Also, I mean I'm just kind of curious do any of you have stories where you think of a not great boss? Like what are some of the examples of things that you've seen in your career that really didn't work? They really limited or stumbled, you know, how, how slowed down your progress. I'm kind of curious what what were those like?
2: When I went up through went up through the ranks so to speak, it was a very different time, very different professional environment than we are in now so i think what you what you tolerated as your younger self to what you would tolerate now is quite different now it's a it's an environment of you know inclusivity of empathy of trust of authenticity all the things we're saying around here now but you know when i was learning how to be a leader or learning how to be employed it was quite different. And I think it's there, there's something about that power dynamic to what Catherine said about, I'm holding, raising my hand here, the levels of where you're at, uh, the legitimate power a title has, the respect you have to give to elders, to people with those titles, you know, it was never a sense of you're in it together. It was you do a job for me and you have to do it really well, or I'm going to tell you in front of a whole bunch of people. So I always think to myself, what I learned from that is I want to be the leader I needed all those years ago. Yeah, And that is a leader that I try to be now, you know, empathetic, meeting people where they're at, bringing people along, hopefully not oversharing sometimes and, and freaking anybody out. But I, I think that's the leader I always wanted. And the leader I hadn't gotten until very recently. Oh, it's a sense. very
0: good example. Yeah, and the hierarchical piece—you know—and right. the do as I say and not as I do—it's just—it's out. Yeah. Nobody's no. There, <laughs> it's still out there and exists today. But the yeah. unfortunate thing is, is that in the war for talent right now that we're seeing, that's definitely not going to build your top talent team.
2: Yeah, and it fosters zero growth, zero culture, zero
4: everything.
0: Right. right? Dawn, I'm just curious when you think of, you know, what, what hasn't worked well that you've seen?
4: Well, I think in your working life, eventually you're going to come across those bosses that, that you might not work as well with. Mm -hmm. I've had, I've had a few, I think uh, similar to what Cher says, bosses that we always said beat with a stick had that attitude of like, do what I say. It just doesn't work well because it, it, makes you feel like you're at a disadvantage. I've raised two sons, and one of the things that I learned as a mom, and I know, you know, it's a different job, but at the same time, you're taking care of people, right? People leader. And one of the things that seemed to work better was when I listened to them, and instead of telling them what to do, listened to what they wanted, and understanding, having that conversation, saying, uh, well, this is what we need to do and making suggestions or making recommendations. And you can do that with your team as well. And mm-hmm. and that just seems to go over much better than, than, you know, this is what you need to do. I think it, it goes better with just making recommendations and suggestions and listening to them.
0: Absolutely. I have this argument that I think for every hour of parenting that you've done, that should count as some type of hour of leadership training, and and I'm not even I'm only part way into my parenting journey, and I can already tell you that I've learned more <laughs> in the last <laughs> you know six years than I have probably in you know fifteen years of change management before that because kids keep you on your toes, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> and and you do you have to come up with creative ways because you get a chance to see that that that's not progressing right or you you try an approach and all of a sudden you see that you're not getting a very you know big result and you care so much that you you're willing to tra- change again and try a new approach right so i think that's such a great example cindy when you think of your not so best boss i'm just kind of curious what kind of traits come to mind
1: yeah, i tend to learn from the the negatives, like what not to do.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And so, something that came up, what we had talked about, and something that I'm really an advocate for, especially here at, at Wrangle as well, is when women don't advocate for other women. And Mm -hmm. so I remember the initial conversation that you and I had that the scenario that came to mind was when I was actually pregnant and I was coming back to work from my maternity leave. And I remember the leader, there had been a number of transitions while I was on maternity leave and, and the leader, I was up for promotion uh, and the leader told me very upfront that she didn't think that I was qualified for the position because I had a son and the role required travel. This was pretty devastating, and I think something that came up to me was, ah, this is still happening. Um, So there was a little bit of an aha moment, but I think part of my passion in moving forward and what I've learned to take away from that is to be an advocate within the space and especially with young women or women in general, you know, moving into STEM and technology is exponentially more difficult when, when you're a woman and, you know, these things like this really affect your career. And so it was devastating to realize that these things still unfortunately happen to women and there's barriers and it's another thing when it's coming from another woman so I think the thing that right. I definitely took away from that story and that scenario was be an advocate in this space and, and uh, encourage women advocate for them make sure that they we're holding space for women and, and women especially with children uh, mm-hmm. it's important because we get stuff done just because we have little ones doesn't mean that we're not and can't be successful in our roles.
0: I mean, in that message I hear too, you know, just provide the opportunity and empower someone else to make the choice that's best for them, right? Even if you decided that you didn't want to travel at that age with a young child at home, like let you make that choice about your career and your family and everything else, you know, whereas we try to make the decision for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And with a little toddler, I would have welcomed travel
0: at that point. <laughs> right. I I understand that completely. <laughs> So Catherine, I'm curious, when you think of those same, now you've heard quite a gamut of traits that didn't work, what, what crosses your mind?
3: This is a a tricky one. This is not about a specific bad boss per se. I, I loved working with this person, but I think nonetheless, you know, things happen sometimes and they're a bit of a head scratcher looking back why, why, but I'll share this story, which I'm laughing about now. Probably didn't laugh about it that much back then. So we're talking like 10 to 15 years ago, right? My boss asked me to join them in a meeting with their boss, position this as, I guess, a shadowing slash growth opportunity. And little did I know, my boss came clean afterwards. My presence was actually used as kind of a buffer right, to change the dynamic of that conversation. My boss thought and knew, in fact, they were going to be in trouble with their boss in that meeting. Brought me in here to avoid, I guess, some sort of explosion. At the time, I don't think I really kind of grasped, I guess, the severity of how bonkers that kind of behaviors can be, especially for me as the employee having to live with their boss on a daily basis, seeing them in the hallways, how that perception of me is now forever changed, right, for that person. Was I complicit in this kind of weird approach? Did I know? Did I not know? Do I not care? All of these questions kind of come rushing after the fact. And it's just, I could never, and I don't think anyone on this call would ever consider doing this. I laugh about it now, obviously, and all is good. But yeah, that really came to mind after hearing everyone's uh, stories. Yeah.
0: It just goes to show you that there was definitely not a best boss ever in the room somewhere in that conversation. Because any time that you're so scared of a discussion that you need to bring another employee in to keep, you know, maybe from uh, getting yelled at or whatever your concern is, that tells me that there's not a lot of psychological safety in the in the house.
3: <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah, that's a great observation.
0: Wow, I think that's amazing. And then I'm curious as women in leadership. Are there any unique challenges that each of you notice or each of you face? I'm just curious. You, you brought up a great point earlier about, you know, kind of women advocating for other women.
4: We could talk about women in tech, a male-dominated uh, industry, but it's changing over the years. But I remember when I first started, I think I was one out of 40 guys. That dynamic was interesting. But, you know, I... I learned to navigate that landscape and it, it's challenging at times, especially if you feel like perhaps you have something to say, but maybe maybe you're in a, a room full of guys that are talkers <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. challenging. So I've had circumstances where I've had to speak up, you know, hold my own sort of sort of thing. Yeah, in tech it's a, it's a different dynamics there. But we can support one another if there's another woman in the room, I think it's really important to support one another and, and, and kind of bring them to the forefront as well.
0: Make sure they get a seat at the table to talk. Any other ones that you can think of? I'm just curious.
2: This is maybe not the answer to the question, but I've seen it when it hasn't worked and we haven't been supportive. and, And perhaps that comes out in a myriad of ways, maybe unintentional or, or intentional, I guess when the focus is on appearance or or certain things and not skill or craft or value. I I have seen that throughout my career, actually, which is really unfortunate because I think to what Cindy had said earlier, we have a really special opportunity to create those perhaps safe haven is, is too strong and dramatic of a, of words to use, but I think it's, there's an opportunity to foster that next generation of leaders and to hold that space for them and, and, and share. And I think to what Don said about being in meetings and as maybe the only woman or a, a few of the women is piggybacking onto what they're saying and saying yes to that. And this is what my point is. And I have learned to really speak up more forcefully than I would normally in meetings because you have to, you just have mm-hmm. to. And I think that is a lesson that I've learned the hard way so many times. And I'm like, I had that idea or perhaps, uh, you know, I thought of that, or that's what I was going to say. And I, and I always kick myself after that meeting, like, why didn't I say that? So now I say it, but it's really out of my comfort zone to be aggressive, but I think Mm -hmm. you need to, to to start, and then you could release the aggression to be heard. If that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And one of the practices you're, you're reminding me of a practice that we've talked about in some different corporate culture pieces around it's shine and elevate or shine and yeah, shine and rise. That. And it's this idea of, you know, somebody contributes a point of view that maybe mm-hmm. doesn't have a loud voice at the table. Often it's women and minorities that kind of get lost sometimes. Yeah. And you would shine a light on the point that was just made again and elevate how much you yeah. appreciate at that point. And just like you said, it's just kind of reiterating it so that it, that yeah. voice gets heard at the table with an equal presence of some sort.
2: One hundred percent. and I think everyone around here, we do that for each other. It shows up in various forms. So I'm really yeah. appreciative of this group around
0: here for sure. amazing. And then I'm going to bring us to the one of my favorite questions to ask. in the world that I'm in, obviously, organizations are investing in their people and they're investing in building great leaders. But obviously, everybody wants to know what's that return on investment? how do we how do we prove that it actually impacts the business? And so, I love to ask each person from their perspective. You know, what's the real impact of having best bosses or bosses that have those great qualities versus having the not best bosses? I'm curious. When you think of the value, could you explain it to me? And Don, I'll pick on you maybe first.
4: That's an interesting question. When I think of bosses that I've had and and the difference there, they they always thought what was best for the business, but even though their name wasn't on the building, they they thought about the business and how it was important to, they weren't focused on themselves, but it was for the good of the company and when i say company i mean the people as a whole you know if if uh, we're all working towards the goal the vision of the company it's not about dollars and cents but what's good for the people because when people are happy and feel good about what they're doing and they feel like they're a part of something then your business is going to thrive it's going to because you feel like you you've got a part of that vision it's super mm-hmm. i know at rangle uh, that's that's what we do we we uh, we know what the vision is, we know what we need to do as a business, and we're all involved, like even with the OKRs, like with my team, we sit around together and think about well, what's our objectives and how does that lead up into what the business wants to do. And just understanding that so that you feel like you're a part of what's happening. And, and that in turn will, you know, they're going to treat clients well and they're going to do what needs to be done for the business.
0: Right. It impacts your entire client experience from there. Right. And like you said, if the primary focus in each meeting is the benefit to the business and not the benefit to the individual, how much more productive are we? (laughs) We're getting a lot more done. If I was CEO of that business, I'd feel a lot, I'd be sleeping a lot better at night. That's a great point. Cher, can I pick on you?
2: It's a really hard question to answer. It's an intangible to a tangible. And I think the impact that I think it brings is a strong culture If people feel more engaged that people care about their well-being and their growth they're going to be more loyal there's going to be more communication less mistakes you can be more creative and innovative you you have teams that it fosters that organizational citizenship behavior I'll show up for you because you're showing up for me and we're gonna mm-hmm. make something awesome so it's that feeling where you know, and even if you need to pivot, even if it, your company is going this way, was going to go this way, and it's going this way now. All those teams are be are ready to mobilize. They're ready to change, and they're ready because they'll follow you anywhere because they care about their teams and the people that they work beside. And I, I although that's probably not a not a tangible, but what it does is accelerates the growth of the company. You know, it ups your bottom line, and then you attract more people, more of those specialized people, those talented people, and you learn more. And it's just sort of the snowball effect that happens at a company. And I, and I think that's one of the things that I see here that I, at Wrangle now is that those ready to mobilize teams that everyone's in it together. They're cohesive, they're learning from each other, communicating, and, and we can do anything. That's the intangible that has tangible bits later, but that feeling.
0: Right. Right. Perfect. Catherine, what do you think?
2: You
3: know, my answer is a great kind of follow through after um, all the beautiful things that Cher just said. I think to me, regardless of craft or what your expertise might be as a leader, having that authenticity is kind of, I don't even know what the right term to use is, but that's really what's gonna carry you through and help you make these connections. And when your leadership is authentic in an organization, for sure, you'll have a much easier time managing issues when change might be a little bit sticky or difficult or uncomfortable. I don't know, pandemics. Hello. Mm -hmm. It's been a time. You know, these authentic leaders really help you kind of build and maintain that longevity over other companies where that doesn't exist, I think. That really helps people want to stay with you and weather these difficult moments.
4: Mm -hmm. And
3: I mean looking at really, really small teams, you know, your ability to retain these people and to not have them take off at the first kind of bump uh, can be really critical. So many teams are small and lean. And when a person goes, you really feel the impact of that. And depending on who that team is serving in the organization that has ripple effects that are pretty significant sometimes.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right, Cindy, what are your thoughts? I agree with all of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I
1: put on my I put on my talent acquisition or my recruiter hat for this question. I think the ultimate ROI, if you're thinking about recruitment and you're thinking about such an aggressive talent market, is uh, retention and attraction. And best bosses are really great leadership, have the impact to really make or break teams. So from a, an attraction perspective, it's not uncommon for us to hear that people are interested in, in joining an organization because they know of that leader. You know, they've worked with them in the past. I had a situation uh, specifically with Don. I've worked with her in the past, recruited someone over who knew of Don. And so from an ROI perspective, of course, the people are what let you iterate on your product or let you iterate on your vision. So being able to attract is, is really one of those big ROIs. And then retention as Catherine mentioned mentioned as well, is also very important. Retaining that great talent ensures that, of course, you're bringing in people that can creatively look at problems or projects, think of something creative, offer a different offering to clients and really increase the value of the product that you might be presenting to your clients as well. So I think that's one of the biggest tangibles for me in in talent acquisition and recruitment is that, that attraction component and then, of course, retaining that top
0: talent. I love what you just said there. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I see that all the time. Sure, some of us leave jobs for the, you know, other opportunities and bigger opportunities, but I know from having talked to a lot of people, they don't leave their job, they leave their leader. You know, it's it's kind of an, you know, age-old adage, right? And just to your point about, you know, you can fill the seats, but if you don't engage those seats, you're just not getting the most efficiency out of that team. You know, we're always trying to figure out how to drive more efficiency but a lot of it's mindset and how people feel about the work they're doing and the contribution they're making. Last words of wisdom. I'll just kind of give me a ping if uh, if you think so, but last words of wisdom for any leader out there who's really trying to make a great impact.
3: I would just say very simply, just make the time and show up for the hard conversations. Even if you have no idea what you're going to say, just show up. Nobody expects you to have all the answers. It's all good.
1: I would say to make sure that you're creating the conditions that all of your people that you manage or you lead feel safe and they have that opportunity to be really authentic. I know that there's lots of data and lots of stats out there to say that when people do feel as though they belong in a culture and they feel really that psychological safety, I know that's another buzzword, but they really do great things. And of course, they impact your bottom line. They think of new tooling. They think of new uh, innovative ways to do things and they really do provide progress your organization. So being able to create that environment where people feel safe, they can be their authentic self really does impact the organization and the
0: success of an organization. All right. Thank you so much for coming out today. If you want to hear more, join me at christinelaperriere.com and sign up for our newsletter, The Whip.